Welcome to Off the Cuff, where Mish and Chris discuss the week's events informally and without a script. Welcome, Mish. You know, uh, the degree of difficulty for today is going to be to not sound like a broken record. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just sitting here, Mish. I got to be honest. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I need something to happen in these markets. It feels like nothing is happening. I, I know things should be happening, but nothing is happening. We get the same. It's like Groundhog Day. You know, we have new statements that buoy the markets. We have the U.S. stock markets inexplicably trading just a few percent off of all-time highs on the back of, I don't know what, I I can't figure it out. Besides, there must be liquidity coming from somewhere. We know it's not coming from the retail investors who've who've really backed away from the market. Um, We've got just an extraordinary set of stories uh, kicking around over in commodities, food in particular. You know, U.S. oil is trading at 93-ish right now on my screen, and we see Brent is a you know full $15 higher than that. So we still have, despite all this talk about you know this energy bonanza that's supposed to be you know right here, we still see by historical standards very high energy prices. So we have all of that, and we have to couple that with what are inarguably very clear signs of slowdown, global economic slowdown, principally in Asia, and now. Well, what can you tell us about the European economic juggernaut, as it were? Uh, It's a complete disaster case. The French Central Bank came out today and admitted uh, what I claim is the obvious, that France is back in recession. You know, they're they're predicting. And the way that they're using a very, very strict definition over there, apparently, uh, about two consecutive quarters of uh, decline in GDP. It's not the way... uh, how I would define a recession. It's not the way the NBER, that's the official arbiter of recessions in the United States, describes them either. Uh, um, Certainly, two consecutive quarters of slowdown is a sufficient condition, but it's not necessary at all. They look at a whole bunch of other things like hiring, about industrial production, other things, prices, um, not just not just GDP. And if you look in the United States, recessions tend to start, certainly the last one started, without even one quarter of negative GDP. It, it, it just happened. The NBER backdated it to uh, November of uh, 2007 before there was even any economic contraction at all. So back in January when the IMF uh, uh, had Christine Lagarde came out and, and said, there's a chance that that Europe might avoid a recession this year. I, I'm sitting there thinking, what is she? She's absolutely nuts. Anyway, t- uh, uh, today we got news. France is back in um, uh, recession. And Italy, industrial production plunged 8.2%. Uh, that is a, yes, whopping 8.2%. Year over year, GDP is off 2.5%. Now, uh, those are, you're, second and third largest economies. And Spain, we know, is the, which is the fourth largest economy in Europe, has uh, been in literally continual recession here. Uh, when was it ever out of recession? I don't know. But it, uh, unemployment rate of 25%. And the worst thing about this, they're hiking taxes because, it's, oh, my God, you know, because GDP is going down. Their, de- their budget targets are, are now missing. So what do they want to do about it? They want to go out and raise taxes. So they're raising taxes in Spain, and they're raising taxes in Greece, they're raising taxes in France, raising taxes everywhere. By the way, uh, Germany's back in recession, too. 
Um, uh, but again, if you're waiting for two consecutive quarters of declining GDP, it'll be a while before they admit that. But, you know, so all of a sudden we, we've gone from talk of no recession to mild recession. I think they're finally waking up to the to the fact now that this is going to be a very severe recession. What they're not waking up to the fact is that their policies are making matters much worse. Well, you know, they have a, a structural issue over there, which is that they have held themselves through the Maastricht Treaty to uh, certain deficit levels. Obviously, the, you know, those have been violated uh, to, you know, degrees large and small by various uh, national governments over there. But if they took the U.S. approach, what they would do, I mean, think about it back under Bush the second, right? So we had, you know, I think the answer there was we're going to fight two wars and we're going to cut taxes. And then you know, <laughs> look what happened to the budget deficits, right? And we've never yeah. looked back since then. And so the U.S. approach has been to simply just pile the debt up at, at faster and faster rates uh, under under the idea that, you know, taxes are politically unpopular. Well, they're unpopular everywhere. It's just I feel like in Europe they have a little bit less maneuvering room. You know, they either have to cut services or raise taxes uh, before they have the option of doing what the U.S. is doing, which is to just simply print up as many bonds as you possibly can, knowing that the Fed will sop them up, either secondarily or, or directly. The main problem in Europe, though, is, is they're, they're, they're picking the worst policy uh, uh, from both angles. They're raising taxes, which is a mistake, and they're not doing anything to um, uh, support hiring, to actually to support firing. They need to make work rules. They need to change work rules so it's easier to fire and hire workers. But in France, they've got proposals here to make it impossible for businesses to fire someone. They've not enacted those yet. Hollande seems dumb enough to actually do that. But in Spain, in Greece, in Italy, and in fact, Italy's kind of funny. You know, they've got this huge budget crisis here in Italy, debt to GDP of 123% and rising, and it's going to be rising at a substantial rate as a result of this uh, uh, latest plunge and the latest plunge in GDP. But, you know, rather than cut government workers, they're going to send them home for up to two years and give them 80% of their salaries. <laughs> It's a pretty sweet deal, don't you think? 80% of your salary to stay at home and perhaps look for other work somewhere else. I, you know, I don't know. So, you know, they don't get it. They don't need, they don't understand. They need to cut back on these government sectors. So it, they're, they're resisting cutting back on government sectors, and the only way they can do that to meet these arbitrary 3% budget uh, 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 rules, by the way, I don't think there should be deficits at all, so it, you know, but why 3%? That's what I mean by arbitrary. Uh, uh, they've, they've, they've got to hike taxes. So, so with unemployment rate of 25% in Spain, 50% of youth unemployment, they're hiking the VAT, another 2%. So on, on, on top of some pretty steep, steep tax rates in France, actually, they're talking about raising uh, 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 the, the, the VAT again, and the top marginal tax rate to 75%. So... What are people, you know, going to do? They're looking to to um, working on a post on it right now. The the wealthy are uh, getting ready to uh, pre making preparation to leave France to avoid these high tax rates. Well, you know, one of the things uh, everybody I know who works in Europe works for a large corporation, and I I, it's, I don't think I just know people who work for big companies. It's just very hard to get small businesses off the ground over there, which is a huge engine of growth in the U.S. So when we look for hiring. <laughs> It's small businesses because you can you could start one up over here. You know, the, it's still there's quite a bit of uh, paperwork to jump through, but it is nothing 
compared to the bureaucratic nightmare to try and get a business off the ground over in many parts of Europe. So they don't even have that that traditional um, source of engine where, you know, that's small business can respond very rapidly to meeting needs, but it's uh, uh, almost it's so difficult to do it that uh, guess what? In many cases, uh, those businesses actually go underground. And so that's uh, you know, I got just got a, a reply back from a, a feed on the ground. Somebody, um, Dimitris, who lives in uh, Greece, uh, posted to our site and gave us uh, his firsthand account of what it's like in Greece. And uh, it, it's he's bracing himself for another tax hike. And his perception of it is, is that of the people who are still honestly working above the table, Greece is doing everything they can to come after them, making them pay taxes, you know, basically essentially what feels like doubling their taxes. And so many people, potentially like the other people who are facing high taxes, just simply opt out of that system in ways large and small. They don't work as hard. They don't work at all. They work underground. They work somewhere else. It's just a very common thing to do. In Spain, the same thing is going on. Spain lost uh, 57,000 companies in, in, in the last year. And uh, the uh, their birth death model looks something like this: where you know, there were 334,000 new businesses, and um, or, uh, and 391,000 businesses closed. So, but of the ones that uh, there's a total number of businesses here, if I can find this number, uh, of uh, about 3.2 million businesses. Half of them don't have any uh, employees at all. <laughs> That's pretty what? amazing here. They don't employ anyone. Actually, 1.7 million of those of that 3.1, so more than half, um, don't have any workers. So they're businesses in name only. And, and uh, my friend Bran, who lives in Spain, ex- explains it to me that because it's really hard to start up a business to get that license, you know that they're that they're keeping these licenses, but no one's employed. No one's doing anything. But the difficulty in starting a business is such that they're keeping these shell corporations going that have you know not even the principal owners working. Well, it's oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> and and at the end of this, I guess we just have to come down to that one conclusion, which is: look, we had a, a credit fueled bubble that lasted several decades. I understand those are really hard to give up. You know, it's almost like uh, when when a couple gets divorced and, and one of them gets granted alimony based on the lifestyle to which they had become accustomed. I feel like in many cases, um, governments, nations, people, individuals, we've become accustomed to something that was that we're having a very difficult time looking at and understanding that was illusory. You know, that was we we, we if, this is the my biggest complaint. I have a lot of complaints about this, but my biggest complaint about GDP is that it fails to factor out the impact of debt on what is apparently growth. And it's yeah. a very simple thing to understand. If you and I both have a GDP of $50,000, that's what we're earning. And next year I borrow 50,000 more under conventional GDP practices, I just I just had 100% growth in my GDP. Yes. You know, yeah. and that's absolutely not the case because I'm going to have to pay that back at some point in the future and it will subtract and that's what's happening now. That is indeed what's happening now and uh we're seeing uh desperate measures here in the United States to uh did you see my post on Poway of uh, uh no. California? I'm sorry, I missed that. Um they floated to finance repairs that they needed in their school district. They um, borrowed um, 
uh, about $100 million or so. Now, they postponed paying back any principal and any interest for 20 years. Oh, they ballooned it all? (laughs) When they, nothing. When they go to start paying it back, they will owe $877 million in interest and plus the principal. So they're, they're, they're borrowing $100 million now, and they're going to pay back a billion 20 years from now. And, and the justification is they're hoping for capital appreciation on houses and more revenue coming in because of that. Now, th- that is one of the most amazing Ponzi schemes here uh, uh, th- th- that I've heard of here. And uh, the, the, uh, the thing is, more than likely the school district is going to need more repairs, you know, in the next 20 years. So what are they going to do? You know, go back and, and borrow, you know, more money from who, where? But who's this a better deal for here? Actually, I think the, the, the Poe is going to default on this loan. Poe has 47, a population of 47,000. So I went and when I saw this article, that was my first thing here was, well, is Poe, can, is it conceivable they can even possibly grow out of this? Well, they've actually lost population in the last 10 years. So um, clearly they're not growing in the last 10. Are they going to grow in the next 20? Um, uh, uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't have any reason to believe that. So, you know, what are they going to do? And then I did some demographic math on the on the population of, of Poe. Um, by the time they start paying this, if they if they paid it off right now, this would be about two thousand dollars for every man, woman, and child. At the time they started paying this back, it's going to be 20000 21000 almost for every man, woman, and child. And the average household size in Poway is, is about 2.9. So the debt due on households 20 years from now to, is $60,000 apiece per household with, uh, you know, 20,000 households or something. Actually, what, uh, 47, uh, 15,000 households or something. And all to finance 105 million now. Now, who's dumber here, though, the city of Poway for entering into this agreement, or the person that lent the money? I don't know. I don't know who's dumber in this story because I, I actually think it might be the latter case. You know, we need a stronger metaphor than kicking the can down the road for <laughs> for places like Poway. Perhaps um, maybe heaving the drum of cyanide. You know, the, off the escarpment. I mean, we need something stronger because this is, that's first of all, this is California. So this is why I'm voting for the lender being the idiot here because because they have this thing called Prop 2.5. So if even when we get to this point in the future, what they're counting on, I guess, is that somehow they're going to be able to tax the people. There aren't that many vehicles at the municipal level available to you. The biggest right. one is property taxes, which are constrained under by California property, state by, law. By, by Proposition 13, yes. That's, I, I pointed that out in my article. But the other thing is here, I'm sitting here, and, and I really don't know who's dumber here, because my guess, my actual best guess, is, is the lender who put this deal together probably sold this back, you know, probably, you know, sold this, you know, debt package off to who? Who would be dumb enough to buy it? Why, California State Pension Plans probably might be dumb enough to buy it. <laughs> Actually, what I think has happened here. So uh, I, I can't prove that, 
but I, I, I can't imagine a lender being dumb enough to keep this loan. So they, they probably took this, repackaged it, sold it back to uh, uh, California pension plans who are going to uh, uh, be, you know, take the ultimate hit, including the taxpayers here, for when this whole thing blows up. I, think the I don't pension... think it's going to take 20 years for this thing to blow up either. I, I, uh, uh, I think you know, Poway is going to be in serious trouble within 10 years. Well, listen, you know, the great thing about a, a piece of paper like that, you can tuck it into your pension fund, your state pension <laughs> fund, and then you can book gains on it every year. Because, yes, right, yes, yes, it's... on the accrued interest. Yes, exactly. exactly. And until until Poway goes bankrupt, and and we find out that all of this accrued interest is this, this, then we do this thing in the in the housing market too, where uh, uh, on those um, uh, not arm loans on the um, uh, the the negative refinance loans uh, the negam uh, the negative the negams yes the um, uh, um, where the buyers didn't even have to make any payments at all for you know for for or they didn't even have to meet make payments that met the interest so they had negative accrual of interest and that was going down as pure profit and washington mutual and all these bank shares that were doing this that were in involved in these alternative loans were recording all of these great profits and 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 their share prices rose and rose and rose until of course they collapsed when the when the market finally realized, you know, hey, what guys, you know, these loans aren't going to be paid back. So the same thing's going to happen here, and 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 I'm really betting, but I have no way of knowing that um, that the lender who made this loan um, did not keep it, and but it was done under advice of some financial planner. And I asked in my blog, well, I'd like to know the name of that financial planner, and I want to know what's in it for him. Is this one of these deals like that sunk Jefferson County, Alabama, where, the, where these guys got these exorbitant fees for recommending you know, the, the Ponzi financing back then? In the case of Jefferson County, it was related to, to interest rate swaps. And when interest rates suddenly and unexpectedly declined, uh, Jefferson County went bankrupt over it. Well, I've, yeah, just, uh, I've just looked it up. Apparently, the financier is some guy out of Marion, Illinois, named Bernie Madoff. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's what's going on in in. Uh, what, uh, what did they California. do with this money again? They built a school. What did they do with it? The, uh, they borrowed $105 million to, um, to, to do re- needed repairs on schools. Wow. Wow. And they're oh going to pay back a billion dollars 20 years from now. Wow, I, if there needs to be a law where you can retroactively sue the generations before you. There has to be some way to reach back through time. <laughs> yes, the, the burden that they've put, and the reason why this thing passed, by the way, is they packaged it as, oh, we can do this without raising your taxes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so so I, don't, I don't know who I'm rooting for in this story to get it worse, you know? The I, I don't know either because, I, like, again, like I said, and this is pure speculation on my part, but I don't believe that the, the lender that initiated this, and I'd be curious to say who this really was. You know, was it a Merrill Lynch? Was, was, was it a big bank? Was it, I mean, the, deals of, the details of this have to be public. I've just, I've just not inquired to figure it out. But uh, uh, it would be interesting to see those details and then further details 
did not did they just originate this loan, but did they pass the trash, as I suspect, strongly suspect, to uh, 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 CalPERS or <laughs> some California pension plan? Oh, you know, it's, um, I'm going to mangle it, but the, the gist of a, uh, a pretty awesome Thomas Jefferson quote is that mm. it's incumbent upon every generation to bear its own costs. And uh, when you kick some can or heave that, heave that drum of cyanide 20 years off into the future, it's just, that's irresponsible. It, it's just, it's morally not right as far as I'm concerned. This becomes a moral issue at this point because you're basically saying, I want my pleasure today and somebody else is going to have to pay for that. And yes, it just doesn't feel 20 right. years from now. Exactly, exactly. But by the way, the, the word I was struggling to find was pay option arm. I couldn't, I could not remember well, the that. the pay name, option, right, right. That's, I, I, yeah. You know, th- that's what this is. This is kind of like a pay option arm, uh, uh, ex- ex- except th- this, is, this one can be extended for 20 years. Right, the, the option's been exercised for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to pay a thing for 20 years. Yeah, uh, yeah you, know, you know what the worst part of the story is? Imagine buying a house where you didn't have to pay for that thing for 20 years. That's what we're talking about here, folks. And you know what? You know what's driving me nuts is that I already know that there are <clears> probably <throat> many municipalities that are just peeking over and going, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> the state of Michigan outlawed these things, by the way. The, uh, but they're, they're, uh, they're the only one that I know of, but uh, uh, California hasn't, and uh, some various taxpayers associations are trying. And there was no truth in lending. These, uh, there was no discussion of how this bond, that no one told the people. that All they said was, we're going to float this bond, and we're not going to have to raise taxes. And, you know, no one bothered to look into this, and this thing passed, and Poe's actually bragging about this now, about how creative they were. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that, yeah, the, the name of Poe will be some sort of um, euphemism <laughs> for something in the future. Yes, yes it will. <laughs> It'll oh, become I, a verb, I a noun. I did a Poe, or, you know, they did a Poe. <laughs> All right, Chris. All right, Mish. Well, I guess we're, you know, we're still in August. It's summer, and uh, I'll see you in seven, and hopefully something will have happened in the markets by then. I, uh, I'm sure hoping so. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for gold here. I just want some movement here. Well, as you and I uh, noted uh, before we started recording, gold is in a monster wedge that started basically August over a year ago. So we've got uh, about a year-long giant wedge built up. If you uh, anybody who's listening, look at it on a weekly chart, and you'll see what we mean. You can draw a nice flat line in the bottom of that wedge, a nice declining line on the top. Uh, that's a very, very famous technical pattern. Uh, it's going to bust out of there at some point. So the doldrums will end, and uh, we'll have some action. Uh, does, it, does it make you want to borrow $105 million uh, uh, to bet on it where you don't have to pay it back 20 years from now? I would borrow <laughs> $105 million if you would let me pay you back in 20 years. <laughs> sure. Can I, move it to, right. can I move the funds to Uruguay? <laughs> All right, Chris. We'll catch you in seven. All right, Mitch. See you then.